thank you. What does this church mean? What does this church mean? We are a life-saving church. We seldom talk about ourselves or our religious tradition in these absolute terms, but we should. Let's start with a project that just wrapped up yesterday evening in our log cabin. Our intern, Yadni Hailu, with the RE staff and church member Drew Mahar, along with the support of Mariah and the Reverend Gary McAlpin, completed leading our middle schoolers in OWL, our whole lives. They spent more than 30 hours exploring fact-based, age-appropriate sexuality curriculum. What they taught was biologically accurate. You already know, but as a reminder, Oklahoma has the third highest teen pregnancy rate in the nation. And yet, according to State Impact Oklahoma, about half of the states mandate sex education in schools with the option for parents or guardians to opt their kids out. Guess how many opt their kids out? But in Oklahoma, the decision to teach sex education is left up to local school boards. When it is taught, sex ed doesn't have to be medically accurate, and schools are required, required, required to stress abstinence. The Oklahoma State Department of Education does not track how many districts choose to even teach sex education. So what does this church mean? It means that all of our high school and middle school students have biologically, emotionally, and spiritually accurate information about their bodies, their hearts, their relationships. They talk about consent, not just in sexual terms. But here's the cool part. So we've now got these fabulous, informed children who will then spread this knowledge to their classmates. This happens over and over again. Our children who were taught OWL were the go-to people in their classrooms. What? Is that true? What? No. And then this reality-based information will influence everyone, everyone touched by it for their whole lifetime. So we aren't exceptional. Other churches beyond UU churches teach this curriculum, but in a state continuing to move towards abstinence only or bogus religious claims about sexuality, we're critical. In South Tulsa, Bixby, Broken Arrow, Glenpool area, all wager, we are the only church. This ain't no country club. Oh, good. <laughs> I got lost this week exploring Google Earth. In case you wonder what ministers do when they are trying to distract themselves from sermonizing. And I hadn't looked up Hope Church recently. 
And what I see from this extraordinary satellite view, so can you see where we are down in the bottom? Julia's house, I've tried to find your house, you're somewhere there. (laughs) What I see from this extraordinary satellite view is an island of woods of that green that Hope Church and Holland Hall. We shelter all the surrounding by in, uh, we shelter the woods that is being surrounded increasingly by roads and housing developments. Trees versus concrete, asphalt, drywall, manicured lawns, chemicals, except for some. This refuge called Hope Church is both physical and metaphorical. So like Holland Hall, we value education and creative, informed thinking in all areas. And in a state, often intent on dismantling not only sex ed, but a strong educational system in general, we're both a critical hedge against ignorance in many forms. Unlike Holland Hall, our students, each of you, are going to stay for decades learning, exploring, and improving. So this aerial view grants a more sweeping picture of ourselves. We step back from our daily fray and concerns about Hope Church. And so any close-up problems from an aging building, an aging congregation, give way to the global perspective of our essential roles in this city and this planet. So just momentarily for today's time together, imagine this view being yours from an airplane, not just any airplane. You are standing in the open doorway of the airplane. We have you. Don't worry. You're properly equipped and you happen to be an experienced skydiver. You jump, arms and legs spread, wind whipping past your body until you yank on your parachute cord. And with that immediate whoosh, you now begin to float and meander over the world below. How many here have jumped from a plane? Wow, I want to talk to you. (laughs) It may have been for adventure or necessity, peacetime or war. I never have, but the idea sort of calls my name. But I imagine it must be this exhilarating cluster of sensations, a, a rich mix of wonderful and awful Freedom and joy, fear and uncertainty, a powerful cocktail of peak experiences. I imagine it's an incredible feeling of individual freedom. I know some of you are getting queasy at this thought. (laughs) Take a deep breath. You're safe here, and I mean that on many levels. So back to our imaginary skydive. While floating to the earth with your parachute, your success and living in that moment are completely tethered to the support of others. 
While momentarily floating through the air, you depend on the skill of the pilot to get you at the right altitude, the crew maintaining the plane. Now we know it has to do also with software and yeah, yeah, yeah. The makers of your harness and the people who sewed and assembled your parachute. So the stewardship committee, big secret, we are all the stewardship committee and they just happened to stand forward for us this year, asked me to preach in the midst of our very robust pledge drive. If you've pledged already, thank you. This might make clearer why your pledge matters so profoundly or deserves even more. We keep talking about increases. Yeah, yeah, we do. If you've not pledged, may this charge you to support Hope Church generously. Because the church means a lot to many far beyond our walls, beyond our wooded paradise to those children who are going to grow up and be adults and understand what sexuality is and what it means to have healthy relationships of all kinds with others. I'm making us jump around, but let's back up just a little bit and pause before we jump out of the plane. Let's go back there. Before we yank out our cord to open the parachute, Let's talk about what we're trying to do together, why we're even up in this airplane together. Our readings this Sunday are about giving and generosity, and it's Emerson who reminds us to give give our all to love. And it's the Buddha, which he is speaking truly for all the other religious traditions as well, also analyzes your intention for giving, beggarly, friendly, kingly. You know, my giving falls most readily into giving what I can afford and might appreciate having as a gift myself. I tend to fall in that friendly. I'm a friendly giver. And that's not bad. And there are times in your life that's what you do. Yet it may not be enough for some life-changing situations. That life-saving That life-saving need could be our own or someone else's. Sometimes we must give the very best of what we have to make a difference in ourselves and beyond. It's your kingly pledge that pays for the owl training. It's usually out of state, so we have to pay for someone to go and stay somewhere. And then it supports the whole curriculum of materials, our teacher's time, and the comfortable spaces to teach this. They need a sacred, safe space to teach it. I started thinking about, um, well, because I'm prepping for Palm Sunday and Easter, which is going to be more Earth Day than Easter, but I've been rereading Genesis 1, God who made the earth, And uh, there's a rabbi, his name is Mark Gelman, and he takes this creation story and flips it over. He dispels the power brokering the story has accumulated over the centuries. He claims the partnership involved, there is partnership involved in every act of creation. It's not just God doing this thing. 
he states the obvious that sloppy theology has tried to cover up, that the cosmos, that our being here, requires collaboration. Nothing, nothing, and no one exists in isolation. Partnerships are everywhere. We are connected and interrelated, not just humans, not just the living and the sentient. We are partners with the inanimate. We participate in this every moment, when a word or action can cause a change. Are you willing to try it out right now? Okay. I had you interact a little in prayer. Now we're going to make an impact right now with a simple, compassionate phrase. Would you be willing to turn to someone next to you or get next to someone and just tell them you're glad they came to church today? That's it. Nothing grandiose. I'm glad you came to hope today. I am so glad you came. Music is beautiful. You all are mighty fine. So that exercise is a small, but actually a mighty act of joint creation. How did it feel? Both to give and to receive. Understanding our partnership. Well, I wanted to talk about the, the changes that happen in geological time and cosmic time. We often feel like we don't have say in, but Understanding these smaller partnerships help us understand our partnership in the larger processes, which is what makes working on climate change such a challenge. It feels so big. So uh, in Rabbi Gelman's retelling of Genesis, not often, but God here serves as a reliable narrator. And he explains to the baffled Adam and Eve A partner, after they've just been created, ooh, and I could use this for marriage ceremonies. Thank you. (laughs) A partner is someone you work with on a big thing that neither of you can do alone. If you have a partner, it means that you never give up because your partner is depending on you. On the days you think, I'm not doing enough. And on the days, even on those days, we are still partners. And on the days I think, you're not doing enough. Even on those days, we are still partners. And we must not stop trying to finish the world. That's the deal. We Unitarian Universalists codify this particular interpretation of Genesis in our seven principles. We respect the interdependent web of all existence. And then we spell out the nature of our partnerships in all the rest of the principles. We believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. But it has to be in relationship, in partnership in collaboration. Or as Gelman's God says, we must not stop working together to finish the world. 
That's the deal. And that's kind of what Nathan Walker said that Anne read. It's time we become part of a progressive visionary path because we ain't no navel-gazing, hum-diddly-dum cult. We are finishing the world. That's the deal. may not happen in our lifetime, but we're planting seeds. So let's climb back into our airplane. Remember, we've jumped now. We're floating over the landscape. The wind is whipping past our face, our arms, our legs. And it's not a bad analogy for this church project because first-time visitors driving up this beautiful winding road and seeing the daffodils blooming and the iris are just beginning to peek out is the same rushing wind of excitement and possibility of a safe landing. Because whether a first-time visitor or a long-time member, we bring extraordinary expectations into a church. We're looking for a soft landing. We're looking to be held. We're seeking a place to bring all of our utmost concerns, birth, death, identity, despair, hunger, love. A place to educate our children, to have the safety to ask those embarrassing or most burning questions of our lives, a place to make connections and dispel loneliness, a hope that it's possible to make sense in the face of society's craziness and brutality. I know you know that there are refugees from religious traditions who have now formally stated, the religions have formally stated, that if your sexuality exists on some spectrum, here's the hint, all of ours do, you're a sinner. And we never say that. Today happens to be the International Transgender Day of Visibility. And we're, we are a life-saving place because we honor and celebrate the courage it takes to live openly and authentically as someone along that spectrum, as someone who is transgendered. So the metaphor this church community offers is this risky act of jumping out of a plane and the parachute that we are all packing for each other. I ran again across the story of Captain Charles Plum. I think I told it to you, so I'll condense it. He was a Navy jet pilot in Vietnam. He's captured, spends six years in a Vietnamese prison. He survives the horrible ordeal. And then one day, long after the war is over, he and his wife are sitting in a restaurant, and another man comes up to him and says, you are Captain Plum. How did you know? I packed your parachute. Plum gasps in surprise and gratitude, and the man pumps his hand and says, I guess it worked! (laughs) Plum assures him, it sure did. If your chute hadn't worked, I wouldn't be here today. So we're all here today because someone someone's, plural, 
packed our parachute. The work of the church is packing a parachute for one another because we ain't no country club. And we pack parachutes for our community, our state, our world. We're packing parachutes for the future. All who worked to create Hope Unitarian Church 51 years ago, in essence, packed the parachute so that hundreds of us can have a safe, soft landing in this beautiful space. You may never know who benefits from all the things you do here at Hope Church, from all the small things. Everyone, I, being here for six years, I keep finding little things that someone kept alive for a long time. And the same is with your pledge. You'll never know who is going to benefit from your life-saving monetary support. Captain Plum got lucky and found out who saved him. And when we turned to each other, you got to see a little bit of who saved you and is saving you still. This life-affirming, life-saving church means something. We need each other. We can't do this alone. There is no such thing as being spiritual but not religious. It's ridiculous. It requires teachers, traditions, someone to call you on your blindness and fantasies, someone to call you on your greatness and wonderfulness. It is of vital importance to support Hope Unitarian Church with money, with your generous, make a financial stretch, kingly parachute packing pledge. May we be the life saving landing for your heart and soul. May it be so.